Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Studio A here at the DNVR bar, and today the A stands for um, actually a position of need? Question mark. <laughs> oh, that was a struggle I city. Struggle, but I think it works. I think it works. I got it out. I don't know if that was a statement or if it was a question. It was a question. Okay. It was a question. It's like when Ron Burgundy is just reading the teleprompter and they put <laughs> right, question marks right, at the end of everything. Yeah. I, I squeezed that question mark in at the end because... Today we're going to talk about Greg Dulcich and if he was drafted at a position of need, but not for depth, but for a starter. Mm. We'll get to that in just a second, but first a shout out to MSU Denver Online, the presenting sponsor of this show, and also DraftKings, yes. the presenting sponsor <laughs> of this show. So shout out DraftKings Sportsbook, where you can bet five to win 150 uh, on right any NBA money line. And you don't even have to win, Yep, which is like... Maybe even too easy for my taste. Oh, mm -hmm. so you would pass that up. Well, I'm just saying, like, maybe we shouldn't do participation trophies. Oh. But DraftKings oh. saying, hey, you know what? You you come over here, you play some DraftKings, you'll get a participation trophy. And while maybe I'm too much of a hard ass, you know, they, they're nicer than me. Yes, so there you are. go. Hit up, up free money. Hit up DraftKings Sportsbook uh, and get that five to win 150. You can also get a sign-up bonus up to a thousand dollars when you use the code DNVR. So check them out over at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, Greg Dulcich, mm. TE one, mm. week one. Mm. That is the question, and I wonder if we're all going to be on the same page here. I guess I'll start with Mace. Mace, TE one, week one. No. Ah, eventually okay. yes not week one maybe not this year maybe not this Ooh, year okay that's wow i like that i like that because that's where i would definitely disagree he's got to bulk up i don't yeah, i don't disagree with that yeah he's got he's probably he's got to add probably uh eight to ten pounds in the weight room while not losing what speed he has that's all if, that's... He, if he can do that and look he's a willing blocker but and that was on the, that's on the film at ucla but Willing and being 243 as an inline tight end, that doesn't go hand in hand. Right. He's going to have to add, add a little more bulk, have a little more, have, work on his technique a little bit. That's why that's going to determine when he becomes tight end one. He'll play. He'll get, he'll get some reps, but 
until he can be that all-around guy, he's going to be situational. Well, and we have a comment coming in from Nathan Lee. It says, a whole hmm. podcast to say what Mace just said? No. And I couldn't disagree with that more. Well, I think I think this is a yes. He is the week one starter. Also, just so you know, this isn't the only thing we're going to talk about on the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the reason is why it's yes isn't necessarily because because of what Greg Dulcich brings. Yep. It's because of what the other guys don't bring. Look, there's now three big guys in terms of the, the starting three who could start for the Broncos. It's Greg Dulcich, it's Eric Tomlinson, and it's Albert Okuwebunam. And Eric Tomlinson is as much of a blocking tight end as you can get last year. He had... One catch, a single catch for seven yards. He didn't even get a first down with that catch if it was a first and ten situation there. No touchdowns. In fact, in his career, he has one touchdown, one receiving touchdown. In fact, in his entire career, which is nearly ten years long, he has 18 catches. That is pretty much less than half of what Albert O had just last year. So now we flip to Albert O. Okay, Albert O last year was way more productive than Aaron Tomlinson. Albert O, 33 catches for 330 yards. I really like the prospect of Albert O. I do not think the Denver Broncos and this new coaching staff like him much at all. And I hope that he can change their mind. I hope that they're willing to, to see what he can become, what weapon he can be. And I think they are because they view him right now as pretty much a wide receiver in a tight end's body. And that's that's fine and great uh, in, in their mind. But they're not going to treat him like a full tight end right now. And I think that's exactly why they went out and got Greg Dulcich is to be more of an all-around tight end, be more of a guy where when he's on the field, he's not tipping their hand. So I don't think this is about Greg Dulcich being a finished product and being that guy. And I agree with Mace that he needs to to get bigger and, and work on his blocking. But right now, you look at these guys. One is a complete blocker, the only a blocker. The other guy is a complete receiver and only a receiver. And Greg Dulcich is somewhere in the middle, and I think that's why he's going to be the starter. Yeah, I— I'm sad because I thought I had an original point and you took it. Um, but I was going to say, I think this, this this staff doesn't necessarily love Alberto. And so while Alberto is everyone's favorite maybe tight end on the roster, except for, you know, the the big Dulcich, Dulcich stands. That's a mouthful. It's tough. Uh, there, there are Dulcich stands out there? Oh, yeah. I mean, look at the hair. How could he not have stands? Yeah. Uh, and oh. the mustache. I'm more and a fan the of the confidence. mustache. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're they're out there. The uh, the Dulcich stands, um, but everyone loves Alberto. You know, everyone thinks that he has a lot of potential. He obviously does. He's huge and he's fast, and that's what's you know, fan, at least from a fan perspective, that's what people love. Problem is, he let the stuff the thing that he's supposed to be really good at catching the ball. He struggled at. Yeah, for sure. Let's balls go through his hands. And the only time he really got looked at was when Drew Locke was out there because those two, you know, went way back. So, well, Teddy gave him some shots too. He did. He, I no, think. I'm not I, I wonder not. if Teddy lost confidence in him when that that ball in the Baltimore game did go through his hands. It's very possible. Yeah. Um. But I'll I'll end somewhere in the middle here because I I do not want to let go of what I know about tight end, which is it may be the hardest position in football, maybe other than quarterback to come in and start right away. And even then, quarterbacks, we've seen a lot uh, who come in and start right away and succeed. Tight ends, it's very rare. Mm -hmm. I mean, remember, you know, TJ Hawkinson, he was considered to be the most pro-ready prospect when he came out in that draft. Well, he didn't have a great rookie season. He got hurt, though. That's true. Uh, He had a really good first game. 
Yes, he did. I remember it was like 100 and something yards. Yeah. Um, Noah Fant was not ready to go when he was a rookie. Um, and he ended up, I think, having the best season out of those rookies. Yeah. Um, they shoved so, him out there anyway. Yes, exactly. I mean, it is very difficult. But they were asking him to do things that he couldn't do. Like his second his second game, you're asking him to go one-on-one on the edge with Khalil Mack. What are you doing, Rich? For sure. But if you're going to be on the field, you're going to probably have to take some tough matchups. And so, again, I, I have to keep that in mind at all times is – you got to basically learn how to be an NFL offensive lineman and an NFL wide receiver in the time that usually you only have to w- learn one position. So I don't know about week one. In fact, I could actually see Eric Tomlinson being TE one week one, <laughs> um, just because he's the most ready, you know, th- and they'll just say, Hey, we got plenty of wide receivers. We don't need to throw it to him. We need someone who can block for us on outside zone runs. So that wouldn't shock me. How but about if they come out in an eye formation in week one, and you have not only have Tom Woodson as your tight end, but you have Andrew Beck as your fullback. And maybe Dulcich on the other side. And then you <laughs> hand the ball off ten straight times to start Russell Wilson's tenure in yep. Denver. He's taking a <laughs> shot on the first play. Yep, he is. Um, so anyways, I'm, I'm somewhere in between, but I completely agree with the fact that this was he was drafted to be better than Alberto mm-hmm. and more I- integral to this offense than Alberto. Mm-hmm. I am with you that I don't think this staff necessarily sees it for him, especially because I just think they don't think he can ever block. Yeah, and, and it's a bummer for me because I really like the threat that Alberto brings. And we have a question coming in uh, from Shiloh who says, odds we look to sign someone like Kyle Rudolph or Tyler Croft uh, to bring in additionally in the room. And to my, my question to that would be one got to go then. Yep. And it's not going to be the guy that you just signed if it's a Kyle Rudolph. And so it's clear who that would be. They really like Eric Tomlinson. Nathaniel Hackett loves him as a person. I mean, he's a seventh, you know, or a sixth offensive lineman. Yes, exactly. And and versatile. Uh, and so, no, it wouldn't be uh, Eric Dulcich. It wouldn't be Eric Tomlinson. You'd be letting Albert O go. And to me, man, that would be crushing just for the possibility. I, he, he's not Julius Thomas. But he has the potential to be that type of player in terms of just uh, an unguardable threat at tight end. I would hate to see that go when he's still very much developing. Well, the other thing is also with those two names, Rudolph and Croft, what are the chances that one of those two is still available at the start of training camp? Very good. I think think they're going to let this tight end room, as it is, play out through OTAs. Mm. See where where they are, and then if they need something, you'll just— you'll find someone available on the, on the, on the market and then go from there. What was this? What was uh, Dulcich's weight? 238? 243. Okay, 243. Yeah, <sighs> yeah he's not going to have fun just at that weight. Uh, trying to block people. You know, it's just so interesting about the Broncos' two first picks. We talked about how this coaching staff really wanted bigger pass rushers. They wanted guys that could also defend the run and and, and bigger bodies because they didn't view Malik Reed as one of those. They draft an undersized uh, outside linebacker, well, a guy who still has 15 pounds on Malik Reed, so certainly he's more in the middle, but not a, a, a huge guy. And then with Eric Tomlinson, they want a blocker, yet he's 15 pounds less than Albert O. Yeah. And of course, j- weight doesn't mean everything, but when you look at Eric Tomlinson, he's like 275. Yeah, he's, so it's certainly He's literally helps. an offensive lineman. Yes, exactly. I mean, 20 years ago, he was an offensive tackle. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, you you might even be able to make the case that he could play offensive tackle for some <laughs> yeah. schemes in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, maybe even this one. Uh, but, obviously, you know, that's not what he was brought here to do. 
I just think, I don't know. I, I, I hate to hold this against Greg Dulcich because he's a third round NFL draft pick and that's what he should be considered right now. He was also a walk on at UCLA. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like he's a physical freak or anything like that. Uh, he's not particularly jacked. And, you know, he's kind of a finesse player. That's what he's good at. You know, he said, I'm, I create big plays. That's what I do. And he's, he's really, like, smooth in the way that he goes about getting open. <laughs> but you put him against any NFL edge rusher, and I think he's going to have a serious issue. But here's the thing. I think he'll work to get better. No, he will. That, and that's, the, that's where the walk-on thing, I think, actually is an advantage. Totally. And that's why I think playing the long game with him can I see him doing what he needs to do in order to be an every down tight end? Absolutely. And I think that's when George Payton kind of talks about guys who fit the culture, getting people, getting players who are good people on and off the field, getting character guys. Uh, part of that character is putting in the work, is knowing that they're going to put in the work and be diligent and do everything they can to maximize who and what they are. It certainly does not hurt that your offensive coordinator is a former tight ends coach as well. Yeah. And Justin Outen. He's going to love him. Yeah, some great he Dulcich. seemed really excited yeah. Yeah. on Saturday when he was talking about Greg Dulcich. And I, know, and I think it's a little more than just, oh, I'm introducing this guy because he's an offensive player. I'm the OC. I think Justin, I think Justin Outen really wanted him. Yeah. Well, and the reason that he loves him is yeah. that's his background it yeah. is tight end. So he's pumped that the first offensive player that's taken in the Nathaniel Hackett, uh, Justin Out and ex- tenure in Denver was a was a tight end. Yeah, it was a, I think it was a little uh, bone thrown to Outen, who I I have a feeling just said like, yeah. Alberto is not exactly yeah. my type. Yep, exactly. You're uh, 100% right. And a lot of comments coming in. I just want to, like, one person said yeah. Kyle Pitts is 246. We cannot compare Kyle Pitts and Greg Dulcich. Just stand yeah. them next to each other and you'll see the difference. Yes, exactly. Um, but, like, I'm not saying he's tiny by any means. It's just his frame combined with, his, you know, him being undersized yeah. Yeah. is going to make it very difficult for him, for him earlier. Now, yep. would I be surprised if – Two years from now, he's a, he looks like a you know a statue. No, no, not at all. And he's two sixty then, right? And, and maybe that's even too big. But two fifty, two fifty two, you know, he's put on ten pounds of muscle. He looks like a beast. That's mm-hmm. very possible. Um, and then you know we're talking about Nick Benito being undersized too. Someone said, well, Von Miller came in at you know two forty five or whatever. Um, and I think it's a good point. Now, it just it's the it's about skill also, not just like you don't just put on ten pounds and suddenly get better at defending the run. You just have to learn how to do it. Well, also Von Miller came in ten, over ten years ago to the NFL. That's- Since then, the edge rusher position has changed drastically. I mean, Bradley Chubb, his size is kind of the new size for outside linebackers, pass rushers at you know two sixty five, two seventy pounds. That's the the new outside linebacker, and Von has incredible skills that make him incredibly unique. And one of the things that I like about Nick Benito is his his just pure speed rush is about as good as it gets in this draft. And that's why the Broncos, there's so much upside with him. He just needs to develop the rest of his game because he has first-round edge talent just, just purely rushing the passer from the speed. Yeah, Nick Benito has flashes on tape that have von miller vibes i'm mm-hmm. not going to compare them by any means but like even defending the run he'll do the thing where he fakes outside and then dips inside and goes and makes a tackle on it like that's that's all von miller you know that was like his signature move against the run um so so did shane ray though 
Oh, to exactly. be fair, coming out. And we um, love Shane Ray coming out. Yeah. And we love Bradley Chubb coming out. So, we're talking about all first-round picks, by the way, except for Benito. Except for Benito, um, who many people thought should have been a first-round pick. So we'll see. Um, but it's interesting, Zach, that you mentioned the size thing because it's ever-fluctuating. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always a counter move. In fact, I think like Javante Williams is a counter move to everyone getting smaller at linebacker. And you see what happens when you try to tackle Javante Williams with these little guys that you have, you know, trying to fly around out there and defend Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Um, so you don't even need Javante Williams. Look at uh, look at what Dearness Johnson did to what was left oh. at inside linebacker that in Cleveland be last a October. Band word on the, like, yeah, <laughs> that was one of the worst things I've ever watched. Just Dearness Johnson seven yards a pop. That was yeah, painful. Just running over people. Broncos need to stop, need to get the ball back. Dearness Johnson. Dearness Johnson. Dearness Johnson. Just I down mean, their face. If all the way that down game the field. was awful. That was also Vaughn's last game as a Bronco. Sure if a three-point game could be a blowout, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> really felt like it. Um, I, Ryan. So, but I'll just say this. I think Nick Benito is almost more like the new wave of pass rushers that are trying to get smaller because, like, you're you're facing less teams that want to run. Mm-hmm. And you're facing these quarterbacks who literally just run around back there for like six seconds. And like the maybe two of the best are in this division in Herbert and Mahomes. Obviously, Mahomes is the number one. He gets back there. He flips one way. He flips the other way. Like Bradley Chubb is not chasing that down. Maybe Nick, Nick Benito can. Yeah, it's, it's a really good point. And you, you hope that that's something that this is the new wave and the Broncos are getting on this new wave. And also, they have the size on the other side to balance it out. Randy Gregory's massive. Bradley Chubb is massive. And so they complement each other and you can put them in advantageous positions. Yeah. And that's that, that that's going to be a, a, a huge thing with this, with this uh, defense is using the outside linebackers to your strength. But going back to tight end, I have a major question about Greg Dolchich and just something isn't adding up and I gotta ask you guys to help me sort that out but first I gotta tell you about our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook who are like you said Ryan giving you $150 in free bets when you bet $5 on any NBA game that's all you have to do place a bet you get $150 and then you can use that sweet money on the Avs playoffs you can use it anywhere over at DraftKings Sportsbook and they're also giving customers a same game parlay with three or more legs you get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. So just get in, do that. Like I said, every single day they're having offers like this, or they're giving you a 50% profit boost, 100% profit boost. It is fantastic. So download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get all of these offers. That's promo code DNVR. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling promo call 1-800-522-4700. Game one. Of the Avs, Stanley Cup run starts tonight. Cannot wait. I'm actually going to the game, which means one more open spot for you guys here at the DNVR bar. Uh, And my biggest piece of advice, get here early. If you want to sit during the game, which sometimes I don't even want to sit during the game. I just like to stand. Um, But if you do want to sit, if you want to, you know, have a nice meal, all that stuff uh, with a place to sit and do it, come early. Games For the love of God, come early. Games at 7.30, so right when you're off of work. Get here. Do you not can, hesitate. You even if you get off work here, boom, at 3 o'clock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just come. Just don't even mess with it. Just come, hang out. Maybe you can finish work here. I, actually, there was some people I was sitting by at the Nuggets playoff game the other night. They both had their laptops out wow. right until game time. Right? I'm like, There's I respect this. Um, but anyways, come down, hang out. It's going to be a blast no matter what. Uh, we want to pack the house, um, You know, have some beers, have some food. And watch the Avs start this thing off 
cannot wait. And if you're staying home and you're saying, man, I can't watch this game. This is some BS. Well, you got to hit up our friends over at Avaca TV where you can sign up now and get $10 off your first three months, which maybe that doesn't seem like a lot until you find out that it's $25 a month. You're getting an insane That's discount uh, by getting $10 off and it's awesome. You can watch the Nuggets. You can watch the Avs. You can watch the Rockies. Um, so check them out over at Ivaca TV. They're solving the problem that many of us have been dealing with yep. for multiple years now. And we thank them for that. We also thank them for their support of the show. So use the code DNVR when you sign up over there, $10 off your first three months. Awesome deal. It's, it's a fantastic deal. And so my question about Greg Dulcich, one of the things that the Broncos talked about, George Payton and Nathaniel Hackett, is that he is this vertical threat. He brings a threat to the defense at a different position outside a wide receiver. Greg Dolchus talks about how he brings that vertical threat as well, how he is fast. He said he has elite speed. So we're hearing all these things about speed, speed. And again, I just keep thinking, isn't that what Alberto is? But anyways, we've kind of talked about that. But then I see his 40 time. Yep. And I see a 4-6-9. To put that in perspective, Alberto ran a 4-4-9. Noah Fant ran a 4-5-40. And both of those guys were top in their class th their specific years. So while Greg Dolchus isn't a 5-40-yard dash, he's not like super slow, his speed just simply in this 40 time isn't elite. And it, it makes me question a little bit, was he just open in this vertical threat going up against the Pac-12? And Ryan, no, no, no shame to the Pac-12, but where Hold is on. this disconnect? Did, did he have a little hamstring issue when he ran the forty? Then he shouldn't have ran the forty. But what did what did he trip? Was something going on where this four six nine isn't the truth? Because if the four six nine is the truth, then it scares me about his ability to to be a deep threat in the NFL. First of all, I would venture to say that it's maybe more difficult to get open in the Pac-12. Uh, against those linebackers because the Pac-12 is a spread it out throw it conference so you're not necessarily trying to get big run thumping linebackers save for Nant Landman the hammer shout out um, but you know most teams are are going with those tiny and they might even be using a safety down there so mm -hmm. um, it's not that I don't think okay I think that it's either if if Greg Dulcich is going to be right and he actually has, you know, maybe not elite speed speed, but elite separation ability. It's because the 40 time is overrated. And it's mostly about quickness off the line. And so maybe for him, it's more about first step, the way he comes in and out of breaks. He creates a lot of separation. That isn't really a speed stat, you know? Like, if, if we're talking Madden here, you could be a 99 speed with a 75 release and you're not mm -hmm. getting open. Mm -hmm. You can also be an 88 speed with a 99 release and you're open every time but see to me and, and henry agrees with you here he says 40 time doesn't matter i kind of disagree with that a little bit it shows what your top end speed can be he says that he has a better 40 time than tj hawkinson and plenty of others just behind travis kelsey travis kelsey is not uh to take the top off a of defense he you can though he's not that's not what his game is now. But tight ends shouldn't really be your take a top off a of defense. But that's mm. what that's what Greg Dolchus is being sold to us as, and and so mm. so that that's my issue. I just don't think that he's going to be 
this this dangerous vertical threat. I think where you find his sweet spot is what is Travis Kelsey? He's seven yards and and he just consistently at least when he plays the Broncos, it's seven yards, seven yards. You're like, He's why also can't a freak cover, after he gets the ball. Why can't in his you hands? cover this guy? But it's because he has those things you're talking about, about that separation, yep. about the release. He's fantastic at that. And I think that's where Greg eventually finds his spot. Isn't five to seven yards. Uh, it's ten to twelve yards where he does use some of his speed to get past that first line. Uh, but he's not he's not going to be tearing defenses up by just running straight past them. And I think this is kind of where we find Greg's spot, and that's okay because the Broncos have a four two forty guy potentially and K.J. Hamler. They have guys in, in Tim and Court that can do jump balls 40 yards down the line of scrimmage. I just think we're being sold Greg Dolchitz in a, in a way that I don't think he's going to turn into, but it's not bad. Here's what I'll say is that no one is thinking about like tight end running a nine route on the outside and beating a corner. And if you are, you're just thinking about it wrong. Then why do they keep saying vertical threat, vertical okay, threat, vertical, take the top off of defense? Because where he can be really dangerous is in the seam. And I think that's where you get the term vertical threat because he's literally running a vertical but route. That's, that's the same. I mean, if he's running Hold straight on. up the middle of the field as opposed to straight down the outside of the field, it's that's still the same. Because he, he's not going to be doing that against like – he could be. But when you think about like running – hitting a seam, you're not thinking about like man coverage running right past the guy. Sometimes you can hit that there. But you're thinking more about like you're uh, you know against the zone. And can he get behind that linebacker fast enough so that – Russell Wilson can get it over the linebacker, under the safety, hit him in that seam, and maybe he can take off after that. It's more about, you know, working that seam. And if you have speed, it makes it a lot easier on the quarterback to not have to wait for you to get to that spot. You just zoom to that spot. So you shouldn't be thinking about him scoring 60-yard touchdowns. You should be thinking how, about him having, like, 20, 25-yard catches up the seam. See, and that's what I'm saying, that 10 to 20-yard spot. So maybe it's not the speed. He's got elite acceleration and that's go. what causes him to, to be able to get old. I, I'm not I'm not saying it's a big issue I'm just saying that the way he's being described right now I think Broncos fans are a little confused at, at what his role is going to be at the same time they're probably gonna need him to be that at some point because one thing we've seen from Russell Wilson when he uses tight ends it's when they're going down the seam vertical yep not when they're running those short short intermediate routes which would have been great with no fans you know what was really interesting I think I think it was Nathaniel Hackett on the phone call to, to let Greg Dolchers know that they'd just taken him. Uh, he said, uh, our quarterback has been begging to throw to tight ends. He's been begging to throw to tight ends. And I found that so interesting because Russell Wilson has not ever used a tight end that much. He and did he, Jimmy Graham. I mean, Jimmy Graham had double-digit yeah. uh, He had double-digit touchdowns one year. Another year he had, I think, like eight or 900 yards. But, 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 that's but only Jimmy Graham was someone who could get downfield vertically. So, but that, that's what I'm saying is I think Russ has come here and said, uh, yeah, I really want to use a tight end. The reason I haven't used tight ends for the majority of my career, eight other years of his 10 years, is because I haven't had the right one and, and I haven't had that Jimmy Grand type. So go get me that guy. And I think that's probably what the Broncos did with this pick. I don't think it was because just Justin Outen wanted a tight end or because they didn't like Albert O. I think it's because they said, they're having a lot of input from Russ, and that's a smart thing to do. I mean, I think the interesting thing, though, to look back on is uh, if Trey McBride had fallen to 64. Yeah. I think Trey McBride would be a Denver Bronco today. I think you uh -huh. would, too, which is which is yeah. really interesting. Um, because he I has did, a different I... skill set than Dulcich. Right. But we would be saying definitely Trey McBride is your week one starter. 
right? Because he's bigger and he can and he he should be able to translate a little bit better immediately as a blocker. And people, a lot of people had those two guys, you know, one two. Right. I mean, I, but I think there's like this is not one two where they're close. I think there's a gap between one and two. And that's and that's fine. There was ha- there was what you know half a round separate or more than half a round. I think about twenty five picks separating McBride and Dulcich. So. Yeah. You know, two thirds of a round, basically, basically, yep. and that and I, that I think is fair based on kind of what their levels are and especially what they can do immediately. If you want to talk about though getting open against lesser competition, I do worry about mm-hmm. that with Trey McBride, just in terms of how it, what it's going to be like for him mm-hmm. going up against guys who are multiple levels above. You know, the Pac-12 might even be two levels. You know, in terms of like in the second tier of college football in terms of. Uh, I'm not even sure the Pac-10 was one of the five best conferences last year. Well, the Pac-10 doesn't exist. Pac-12. If it were Pac-12. Yeah, and I, I think, think the American so. was a better conference in terms of talent last year. I would in the Pac-12. Wow. I I would I wouldn't even fight that. I wouldn't even fight that. I mean, but it's definitely better than, than the the, the American West. had a much better team in, than anybody in the Pac-12 in Cincinnati. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I'm not. I, w- I wouldn't fight it. Um, so that's what I mean. It's it's a whole step for Greg Dulcich. Yeah. It's a whole other step for Trey McBride. It'll be interesting to see just how he how he adjusts i love the fit for trey McBride. yeah i i do too but mm-hmm. now looking at dulcich what do we expect for his season this year because a, as you said ryan tight ends typically take a long time in order to transfer over into the nfl typically that first year uh the stats aren't lighting it up it, it doesn't look like a great year and mace doesn't think he starts potentially all year ryan you think it may be somewhere in the middle i think he starts week one so what what are we guessing for his stats interesting first i want to get a, a week on it from everyone i know you're week one yep. what what week what week is greg dulcich the te1 okay so jacksonville presumably is the october 30th that's week eight right oh yeah 30 23 16 9 2 yeah that's week i eight. have no idea what okay <laughs> no, neither <laughs> week 10 week 10 all right starts all right. coming out of the bye i like okay. that because i'm gonna guess no we don't know this for sure I would expect the Broncos will have a bye after London. Yep. They don't always do this anymore, but I think that will be the I think the Broncos will maybe insist on that. And you know what? That's as close to a, that first weekend of November is as close to a perfect bye as you can get anyway. Yep. Um don't get me started Especially on dreaming about London because I I it's like one of my two main thoughts. My main thought right now is going to the Avs game tonight. After that, I'm thinking about London. How about this, though? Yeah. The next week, (laughs) the next weekend, the Avs play in Finland. Yep. I mean, the the sports gods are lining up for a perfect trip uh, to Europe. I I looked. It's like a three and a half hour flight. Yeah. So if it lines up with the bye week, too. Especially with the bye week. Yeah. We're going to have ourselves. (laughs) Three and a half hours from London to help. Well, you're going reasonably far east into Europe and you're going north for the north zone. Yeah. Even I didn't, then, though, I didn't realize it was that it was that long a flight from I London to Helsinki. I mean, that was just on one Google search, the top result that I went with. So <laughs> I, I don't even know like what cities well, we were going between. There's but. there's a way to figure this out. Have you ever used the map, the website Great Circle Mapper? Cannot say I no, have. I have it's not. awesome. <laughs> you can figure out the air distance between any two cities on the planet and what the most direct route is. Ah. So like if you, for example, did like New York to uh, to Mumbai. It would have you going like literally over Russia, which I guess you can't do anymore. So you can look right now and say uh, London to uh, to Helsinki. This 
This is fat. This is by the way fascinating podcasting. It is. Way. It is. All right. It is drum roll. 1,151 uh, miles. Is that be a little? That's a little over two hours. Okay, yeah, the, that's not as bad. According to yeah. Google, it's saying or uh, actual flights is saying two hours and fifty minutes. Okay, that's. Yeah, I think that's actually what I saw. That's. Last night. That's look. You've come that exactly. If that's you've gone thought. that far, and there will probably a, probably be a lot of people who do this. Yep. Oh yeah, and I'm yeah. if you've be come back, you know, you, you you saw Shawshank Redemption, right? Yes, of course. If you've come this far, maybe you're willing to go a little farther. Right. If you've come to London, maybe you're willing to go to Scandinavia. And again, like, mm-hmm. when are you ever going to get the chance to do that? To see right. two, actually, I'll just say it. Never again in your life will you get a chance to see two Denver teams play in Europe within a seven-day span. Especially with our job where you can't take off a week in, in the middle of a football season. Mm-hmm. It just yep. lines up perfectly it's, where it's the one week off. Right. And as we've talked about, we would hit London for that whole week, do yep. our shows from there. And then, mm-hmm. so we'd be out there for a week. Then you get a whole a whole other week that you can go explore a different part of the world. Yep. And mm-hmm. the, the official announcement will come tomorrow morning. So stay tuned. I'm like nervous about that. Yeah. I don't like just because I haven't seen a full on 100% confirmation yet. Yeah. I'm just like, oh man, if I get this ripped from me and we all get this ripped from us, it's going it's like to be a everyone very sus- sad day. Everyone suspects it, but the NFL is been so cagey about like kind of probably internally about kind of talking around it yeah like the nfl what because it's been leaked and and a lot of people are talking about these last 24 hours what if they just pulled the rug what if that was the initial plan but they were pissed that it got out somehow so they're just pulling it from the broncos yeah that would really (laughs) suck Mm -hmm. it would really suck uh and speaking of things that may suck is Greg Dolchich's stat line, people, oh, wow, may, people wow. may not be thrilled about it. I'll but say he starts week seven, by the way. Week seven. Okay. So we all think he does start this week. This uh, so you think he's mm-hmm. starting London? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, there we go. I feel like he's got a London vibe. There we go. Uh, so what do you think? What What are his stats going to be? Uh, 35 catches, Whoa. 395 yards, three touchdowns. Okay. Interestingly enough, you don't think he's going to start until the latest of all of us. I think he's going to start the earliest, and I think it's going to be way more underwhelming than that. Oh, uh, I, I think it's going to be about twenty-five catches, wow. twenty-four catches, one a little over one catch if a week. If he starts yep, for about two hundred and fifty yards, if he starts the whole season and that's his stat line, Something's we're talking about wrong. him being a bust. Yeah, to be fair, that. no, I, I don't think so because the ball, someone's not going to eat. That's true. And, and if it's Greg Dulcich, I think everyone's understanding about he that. He if can't it's, complain. If it's Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy and they're healthy throughout the season, then that's going to be a big issue if those guys are going for 550, 600 <laughs> yards. But remember, Noah Fant, his rookie year, he started 11 games. He had 40 catches for 562 yards. That was an incredible season. So I'm saying he's going to be just above half of that. And Noah Fant was the tight end on the roster. There's st- Albert O's still going to get production. In fact, I think Albert O matches his production. Uh, so if, when you look at the tight end room, you're saying, okay, they, they were totally uh, productive, fine enough. And then you're going to look at the receivers and say, those guys are the one to eat. I will say there's going to be a lot more balls than there were last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so and those are going to be going to Tim, Cortland, Jerry. Yep, for sure. Every, I think everyone's going to eat more. I'm going to say... Uh, Even Melvin Gordon's going to eat more yep. in the passing game. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be Badger to Badger. Low, They're going to be badgering defenses. Yeah. Low-key low big numbers out of the backfield, I think, for Gordon this year. I'm going to say 
I got to think about yards per catch. He gets a lot of those. Yep. So I'm going to say 35 catches, 500 yards. Oh, my mm. goodness. How um, many touchdowns? Uh, Two. Okay. So you're essentially saying he's going to be really close to what Noah Fant did as a rookie. And Noah Fant had, had the best rookie year uh, for a Broncos tight end in their history. Yep. Yep. How many rookies? How many rookies? The only one. How many rookies played with an elite quarterback? Because Julius Thomas wasn't a rookie, right? With Peyton. Actually, he was. It was not until his third year yeah, that he really right. got on the field. Um, right. I don't um, know about rookies. I don't I mean, know. T.J. Hawkinson, when he was injured, got Matt Stafford in Detroit. Um, I'm talking about but, just Broncos. But, but so. Oh, Bronco! So, oh, Bronco! So, like rookie tight ends. Yeah. Uh, Shannon Sharp was still a receiver converting a tight end. Right. And he didn't play. And they he, didn't throw it the ball. It took him like three years to really start becoming productive. So I'm just saying this offense. is going to be the best quarterback mm-hmm. com, uh, you know, uh, ratio to drafted tight end, highest drafted tight end. Uh, well, and they I picked think Riley Odom's number five. The one I think of is Cutler way. and Scheffler, and I don't know what he did as rookie. What, 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 if so we're going to go back, we got to look at Riley Odom's because that's – if we're talking about rookie tight ends – he was drafted to be very productive because he was, I think, he was number five overall pick. To be wow. fair, totally and his, different era, though. Right. Yes. His, and his quarterback in 1972, most of that year, was Charlie Johnson. Riley Odoms in 72 20, did not start. 21 catches, 320 yards, one touchdown. It's a and that was the number five overall I'm pick. I'm talking about in yeah. terms of, you know, yards per catch. I do think he can be... As productive as Noah Fant, just because of the difference in quarterback. Then how in the world is he not starting week one if he's going to be that good? Well, I think starting is just, you know, it's, it's going to be, he's going to be used in a lot of situations and a lot of packages. So I think, I don't think, while he might not start, I think he's still going to be on the field a lot no matter what. Man, I think you're I think you're crazy. I think you're setting the bar way too high. You're letting people uh, set up for big time failure. With uh, with what he's going to do or 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 not do this year because I think uh, he would have more receiving yards in your case than KJ Hamler, right? I mean, yeah, than, I mean, than I've a got fourth receiver. my expectation for KJ Hamler is nothing. So then, what do you have Tim going for? What do you have Cortland going for? What do you have Jerry going for? I think there's two thousand yard receivers. Okay. Um, I'll say Cortland and Jerry. Okay. And I think Tim is like eight hundred. So there we're at 2,800 and then there's, you know, 2,000 extra or at 1,500 extra yards to go around. So what's Albert O doing? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, you know, what you said. 300 yards basically? Yeah. For Albert O. Albert o. Yeah. yeah. And see, I think that's what Albert O has. I think they combined for that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we'll mm-hmm. see. I, I, the guy that. Henry was the first how, one to How many him. yards are you getting from the tight end position? I think that's a fair question to ask here. Are you getting? Are you six hundred? Are you get, so you're you're getting about roughly 35, 40 yards a game from tight end. That's, yeah, that's yeah. consistently. Yeah. yeah. And so the guy that is the that you are the one that's saying, watch out, tight ends don't produce a lot. Tight ends don't produce a lot. He's going to pre- he's going to produce a lot. I think he's gonna. I mean, thirty five catches is nothing. I just think that his his um his catches are going to be worth a lot. He's going to come in. They're going to find the mismatch. They're going to work it for a big play. He'll mm-hmm. go back out, and Eric Tomlinson can come in, and they'll run the ball again. And that'd be great. If he has those stats, it'd be great. Like, I don't think asking 35 catches is a lot. I'm just putting the yards up high because I think his catches are going to be long catches. Wouldn't it be hilarious if Eric Tomlinson actually leads 
the tight ends and touchdowns because he catches like a bunch of one yard touchdowns in goal to go. I mean, and I could really see that happening. He's, has he ever had more than one in a season? I don't he, think he only has one. He has one for his, for, yes. for his career. But when you get a situation <laughs> like this where you don't really have an alpha right now, sometimes it's just your it's your short yardage specialist who ends up having a bunch. I I, I seem to recall um, Patrick Hape having more touchdowns for this team than you would have expected just because they drop him in in goal in goal line. He'd catch like a one yard touchdown pass from. Brian Greasy or Jake Plummer back in there. Right. I mean, he's going to be yeah. the lead. No one's going to be focusing on him, especially, right. you know, you get a hard play action going one way and he just leaks out towards the pylon the other way. No, I think mm-hmm. there's going to be more. If he has a touchdown, it's going to be on the ground. He's going to be lined up. Fullback. He's going to be lined up as a fullback. That, and be he's a... going to he's going to take a handoff in. Or, or didn't Mick Sean Ryan line up as a fullback and get a touchdown mm-hmm. catch yep. from Peyton Manning? I'm saying I, that, these things happen. Who's the who would be the most electric player on the team to get a touchdown? Like, just the most random but awesome. I mean, it's got to be a big guy, right? DJ Jones. Sure. Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, Garrett Bowles doesn't. I have always a thought Alexander career, Johnson right? should have got a chance to to come in as a fullback. Mm. Just kind of that that mentality that he brings. Right. <laughs> we would have done mean, a crazy celebration. He's so big and so strong. Too. His legs are so massive that mm. I just felt like give him the ball and let him churn. Yeah, DJ Jones would be a fun one. Yeah. They had uh, Doma Tapeco lined up a couple times. They did. Mm-hmm. And Paxson Lynch threw a pick <laughs> on the goal line. Yeah. <laughs> Should have just that, handed it off to That him. was brutal. It was very brutal. All right, I want to give a shout-out. This is a great conversation. I want to give a shout-out to Green Mountain Dental Group, uh, locally owned right outside of the downtown, and they're the best damn family-owned dentist group in the metro area. Heck, I don't, I don't know this for sure, but you could see them down here watching the Avs game tonight at the DNVR mm-hmm. bar. They're big Colorado sports fans, big Avs fans especially. Whole family's got jerseys on when they come through. Um, so shout out to them. They take care of you. They'll do a great job. And when you sign up for a cleaning x-ray and exam over there, they'll hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush. So hit up our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group. And what, so, so I got to get your prediction. Who is the week one starter? Eric Tomlinson. Eric Tomlinson, Mace? Tomlinson gets the first snap. Tomlinson, how about that? And, and I'll go with Dolchitz there. I'm thinking I, there might be two tight ends on the field on the first play um, for a big wide zone play action fake. Cortland Sutton, one-on-one down the sideline, jump ball. There we go. Mm-hmm. I love it. You know Russ would like to start that way. Yep, yep. <laughs> Get everyone. Just don't start with a tight end end around. Or do. Just I don't know. See you, if you, can you, make have it work. A, you have elite speed with Dolchis, <laughs> so you might as well. Double tight end double reverse. Oh wow. Do you start off with the slow guy, hand it to Tomlinson? No, you, you line up with Alberto Dulcich okay. and yeah. you you hand it to Dulcich, but he flips it to Alberto. Man, that and then they throw the ball. So the first <laughs> then he pass, flips it back the first to Russ. pass in the Russell Wilson era isn't even from Russ. I like it. Man, that'd be something. It would not work. I could see, <laughs> man, I could see Hackett doing something like that. The Broncos might actually be able to make trick plays work now because they'll be good. They'll be able to do them, right, too. They, I mean, you got to start off by doing them in order to make them work. Well, you also have to be able to set up the defense by making them right. do something they don't want to do. That's, I mean, why was, for, for decades, the best trick play team in the league was Pittsburgh even though they were a ground-based team. But that's where it comes into setting up the defense. Mm-hmm. You know, back when, like, Neil O'Donnell or or when Cor- or Cordell Stewart was the quarterback, they weren't especially good passers. But 
they stab, they they forced you to think, okay, we got to stop their run, and that opens so much up. And I mean, that's why like Bill Cower, Bill Cower loved the trick play. Yeah, with a with a, a fundamental ground based offense. One hundred percent. You set something yeah. up, then you flip it. Also, right. just last thing I wanted to say on Greg Dulcich, I also think they're only going to put him in situations that they believe he can win to start. So again. They look out at the you know the defense that they're being approached by. I keep thinking I know who the week one opponent is. And maybe this is my brain telling I'm having a premonition, Seahawks. Okay. That's just my uh, that's what I I have to keep imagining the Seahawks. So Broncos starting on the road. Yes. Okay. At the Seahawks. In a middle look, of the at a 2 p.m. game. This is not a prediction, it's a premonition. There's okay, two okay, different things. Okay. Um but I keep seeing that whenever I think about week one. I don't know why. Um Anyways, when they look out there and they're like, okay, look, you know, they're coming out there with these linebackers. We think we can get, we can, you know, line up Greg, have him split out, get a one-on-one. I think they'll do that a lot early. Just find him matchups they like and go have him exploit them. Yeah, and and that that's, I think, what he can do is find those areas and where they're not 30 yards downfield, it's 15 yards downfield where he finds the opening. Yep. Uh, and, and really quick, when it comes to first plays, how about a Jerry Judy jet sweep and they actually hand the ball off to him? Wouldn't that just be a nice little tip of the cap to Pat Shermer? It would be a symbolic turning of the page. <laughs> yep, it would be. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. All right. Should oh, by the way, the real quick, just want to jump in because this this is sort of tangential with the Broncos. Did you guys see what Ryan Tannehill said about mentoring? Oh, God. Is it Flacco-esque? Quote, I don't think it's my job to mentor him. Nice. But if he learns from me along the way, that's a great thing. That's like nice. word for word. Yeah, Joe, Joe Flacco's was, comment was, I'm not worried about developing guys or any of that. That is what it is. That is what it is. I hope he, referring to Rich Gangarello, does it well. I don't look at that as my job. My job is to go win football games for this football team. And right how did well. that work out Failed for Joe? Job. Yeah, he went two, they, the Broncos went two and six in Joe Flacco's eight starts. And now there he is a mentor. That's his, <laughs> yeah. that's his job title. He realized there's a good paycheck in it if you just keep your mouth shut and be there for a young starter where where else is joe flacco gonna make three million dollars a year is he your, like in terms of just the whole package is he your least favorite of the of the clown car of qbs the broncos have trotted out over the last six years yes because clearly he did not want to be in denver colorado he didn't say it overtly but you got that sense every time he was up there uh, that he he was an East Coast guy. He didn't want to venture this far west. He seems mu- even though he's a backup, he seems much happier in New York in with the New York Jets. Seem was he briefly in Philadelphia, right? Yep. Seemed much happier in those places than he did in Denver. Yeah, that's actually exactly what I was going to say. Rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't feel like he liked it here. I'm just like I don't understand how that's possible. He's yeah. a 995 Carter guy. I get yeah. what you guys are saying, but no. Come on, guys. Paxton. You talk about clown uh, does cars. Does he even that, really count? Yes, he was the first. He started it all. He started, he got what, the one, Broncos. two more games than Kendall Hinton? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly why. And, I mean, you that's, talk about not wanting Wait, it. he had – I mean, yeah, he, yeah. Didn't, he didn't want to be in the NFL. He Kendall didn't want to work for the NFL. I will – yeah, but at least he wasn't, like, an ass Joe, about it. Joe put more work into it. So for I, sure. I can – I just mean in terms of personality, the way they dealt with the media. Like, Paxson was always pretty good with us, I thought. Drew was the best. Teddy was really good. Mm -hmm. Teddy, you know, arguably could be the favorite just because he, you know, he didn't play overtly horrible. 
And, and um, he was literally the best quarterback they've had. Statistically, since. he was good. Since Peyton I, in 2014. He was a good leader. Um, I, I would put Drew Owned up, up there in mistakes. terms of, like, just he was fun to cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Te- Teddy, o- Teddy owned up to his Trevor, mistakes. Yeah, like, yeah. like, Joe Flacco, I don't think, realized his shortcomings. I think Teddy, Teddy understood his shortcomings probably too well. Trevor's got to be up there, too, just because he was really nice, and it was kind of like a... Yep. I don't. This seems degrading, but like a cute story. Wow, that's so degrading. <laughs> you know that lump he had on his shoulder wasn't very cute, but he it battled through that. His, th- his second head. <laughs> yeah. And then where does Case Keenum check in on this? Oh, see, he's he's competing. So with, forgettable. He's competing with Joe. I mean, especially when we learn was it uh, uh, was it from uh, Devonte Booker that uh, Case <laughs> didn't, didn't say, hi, say to hi to people in the halls when he walked by. I mean, mm. that is that is pretty darn bad. He's too busy pushing his book. <laughs> it's very mm. true. <laughs> How do you write a life story before a story's over? Tim Tebow did. I think did. his story ended it then. Did. It was over. In yeah. hindsight, it, it was perfect time to release Strike it. all the iron. The, <laughs> the climax of the Case Keenum biopic is him, get, is him signing the contract. That's the, the end. That's the end. Because yeah. the because you don't want it to be the press conference. Happy because John Elway didn't even pronounce his last name correctly. Right. And Case Keesum. Got mad at me yeah. for calling her a character. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Yikes. Yeah, yikes. Yikes for sure. Yikes to all of that era. I, th- I think people over. probably turned off the podcast now no, when we dove into that. Stuff. Because <laughs> it, it, if the Broncos were still going Drew and Teddy, this would just be too dark. We, we couldn't be talking about this, right. joking about mm. this. But now that we're on the other side, it's okay to take a step back and laugh at the past. Uh, although I think in the so Drew, yeah. if they'd gone for the Drew-Teddy reality, I think Malik Willis would have been a Bronco right now. That could have been fun. Not in round two. This, but in round two. Yep. Okay, we yeah. can move. Second we can move on though. I don't even remember those eras. Um, let's get to the questions. Do we have any super chats we need to hit, Kale? No super chats. Let's jump right in to the comments on the website. First one coming in from C Fillmore seventy two, and you know where he's coming from. He says, "Gentlemen, greetings from the west of England. I am loving the leaking news that the Broncos are heading to London. Makes me nervous. I'm not wanting to count chickens, there but go. there's no smoke without fire. So he doesn't want to count chickens, but he's counting the chickens. Look forward to meeting all of you and the UK best based DNVR fam come October thirtieth. Bring those Breck brews with you, Christopher." That's allowed, right? You can bring, you can put beers in your suitcase. Um, I uh, have transported alcohol from over from Europe to the United States. I haven't done it the other way. I've definitely put bottles in there. I just worry yeah, about yeah, the yeah. carbonation. Um, I guess yeah. I haven't. No, I have. No, I think it was a carry on. So I don't know. I think the way to do this is, you know, to have this needs to go up kind of to to Breckenridge Brewery to say, okay, can we find a way to get some beers over there? That's true. You can't sell them, like, direct overseas. Right. But maybe they could just ship them to the bar that we're going. We're doing crates of of Breck Brews. I mean, I I just don't know what the corporate structure is regarding... You know, I mean, obviously, Anheuser-Busch has plenty of beer sales in England. Right. But I don't know what they're... I I don't think they distribute Breckenridge Brews over there right now. But... Because they because they already are in the market, can they kind of get a dispensation 
to uh, get breakfast over there for that they reason. They can only and ask and find out. <laughs> the worst that can happen is they say no. Yeah. But I think there's a way to make it happen is what I'm saying. Everyone needs a strawberry without, sky. Yeah, I think there's a way to make this happen morning. without you guys having to smuggle beers in your suitcase. Has there ever been a strawberry sky in London? We'll be the first like ones. Like in, li- in literal terms? <laughs> Probably like uh, during the golden hour at uh, Wimbledon. All right. In the summertime. Yeah. Uh, From LDJ, man. Strawberries and cream, strawberry sky, right? Exactly. Uh, Hey, guys, haven't chimed in in a while, but I listen every single day. Thank you for that. And you guys said something that hurt my heart. RK said he'd rather have Stefan Diggs over Cortland and Tim and the same for Tyreek. And I'm wondering, how did we get to this point? And you guys wanted Debo. That made no sense to me. I didn't want Debo. I watched watched a lot of these wide receivers, and I'm scratching my head as how Drake London was the first wide receiver taken. So question, do you think you saw more freakish stuff in Drake London's film than Cortland Sutton's insane above-the-rim catches? I I feel like we're moving the goalposts a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You totally just changed it. We never said we'd rather have Drake London than Cortland Sutton. Nope. We've never said. And Tyreek Kill is not Drake London. Drake London is not Debo. Drake London is not Stefan Diggs. <laughs> nope. Um, I stand by what I said, what we said, because I, I also agreed with you there about wanting those elite wide receivers over the two the Broncos have, but I wouldn't rather have Drake London than Cortland. Very, very interesting, <laughs> LDJ. You're moving the, moving the goalposts on us. He says, I don't know. My question to you all is, do you think the rookie 2018 Cortland tearing up training camp and abusing Bradley Roby and the huge breakout 2019 Cortland that Cortland, I mean, is still wearing number 14. Do you think the current Cortland may not be the same after the ACL is a totally different question? To be fair, there were some games uh, Court was dropping some pivotal, pivotal catches and TDs, and that was tough to watch. So I guess all that to ask, is Cortland going to be the same this year as he was in 2019? I mean, he has a chance to be even better than that, yeah. uh, especially now that he has a real quarterback. And we're going to find out who the true Cortland Sutton is this year because last year – He had the legitimate reasoning, I don't want to call it an excuse, of coming back from the ACL. That was his first year. Now he's fully healthy. He's had Russ for this entire offseason. It's not like Russ is coming in as a rookie. No, they've already had about a month and a half where they've been working together. Uh, And so this is Cortland's year to break out and prove that he's actually worth $25 million and the Broncos got a fantastic deal. Instead of us saying, okay, he's about a 1,000-yard receiver and that's Mm. about $15 million worth. Yeah. Can you imagine... Stephon Diggs or Tyreek Hill with Russ. Man, Tyreek, just going deep. Obviously, we would never want no. him as a Bronco. Well, look but at what Diggs has done with like Kirk Cousins, terms. right? Russ is better than Kirk Cousins. Oh, yeah, yeah by a, a doubt. mile. Yeah. So, and so we've seen, you know, we've seen Diggs with Cousins. We've seen Diggs with, with Josh J. Allen. I mean, it's... What were his stats with... Uh, J.A.? Yeah. Uh, crazy. And that's why he got the massive contract? Yeah. I think yeah. he led the NFL last year in receiving yards. It was, I don't think so. Two years ago, he had 127 catches, which is insane. Maybe for it was catches. 1,500 yards. Then last year, he had 103 catches okay. for 1,200 yards. Okay, yeah, I don't think he led. But maybe like over the last two years or something? I could see mm-hmm. that with seven with 2,700 yards. Yeah. Or, in, yeah, 2,750. Yeah. It's insane. He, Almost 1,400 yards. 127 catches is almost unfathomable that is crazy and with broncos receivers have 127 catches last year that's really good point man he wasn't i mean he was a really good receiver with kirk cousins but he wasn't as dominant as i thought his two best years the two most recent with kirk cousins 102 catches for 1000 yards and then 63 catches for 1100 yards that's an insane 17.9 yards per catch that is insane. in the nfl that's nuts dan burke chimes in says hey guys so some some in denver have mentioned how the presence of joe 
Jonas Griffith is a large reason why they felt comfortable in not prioritizing inside linebacker in this draft. So I want to know what you thought about him as a player and what his prospects could be moving forward. One, I don't think that affected it. I agree. Um, I think I believe George Payton when he says the the board just didn't fall that way. I also have said it forever that I don't think the Broncos value the position, um, but it is his a new regime, so I gave them you know the benefit of the doubt that maybe they would not even that they need to, but just maybe that things would be different. It's not. Um, and I think Jonas Griffith is a nice prospect. You know, it's, it's so easy to forget some of these really forgettable games when the Broncos are just losing and scoring like 17 points or something. Um, but I do remember sending out multiple tweets about Jonas Griffith in the later stretch of the season being like, I think the Broncos might have something here. Um, so he's an exciting prospect i would say is what he still is um but he's like all the measurables if he was if you just like put his stats like his uh, specs on a piece of paper and then put him into this draft we would have said like we like this guy you should take him and i think with jonas griffith uh he's still very cheap and and, and young so he can, he still has a lot of way to develop and they also really like what he brings on special teams so if he doesn't show that development he's still a really good piece and it is just crazy that you still have alexander johnson and Kenny Young still out there as free agents right now. So, the, I mean, the Broncos, if things don't work out, they could turn to one of those guys and bring them back in training camp for a really low-value deal. Uh, and that, just like like you said, not only do they not value the position, they've talked about dime a lot. They're going to have Caden Stearns yeah. on the field a lot. They can use Baron Browning in that inside linebacker role as well. And I'd say you probably see more of Stearns than Jonas Griffith. The the inside yeah, linebacker sure. who's going to be on the field every down is going to be Josie Josie. Joel. Mm-hmm. You just hope he stays healthy. Huh? If he, on that. yeah, if he does, he's fi- he's fine. I mean, they they do need somebody to be the quarterback of the defense, and that's that's Josie's biggest skill. Exactly. Next one coming in from Bronco Oilers says, "Hey guys, gotta say it's been pretty surreal to come out of the draft with zero quarterback drama in Broncos country, but I couldn't be happier about that. This draft has really got me intrigued by the evolution of our defense and the hyper flexibility at all three levels. I'm excited the, by, by the idea of a little more smoke and mirrors in our personnel groupings and alignments, and with the collection of quarterbacks in our division, it'll be important to keep them uncomfortable men- mentally and in their reads, but at the same time, and a little little nervous about laying on." too much complexity with a first-year defensive coordinator. Do you guys have any concerns about things potentially getting a little too cute defensively with so many unknowns? Cheers, go Broncos, and let's go Oilers. 0-1. Oh, um, <laughs> okay, here's how I think about this. Who is on this defense? Josie Jewell, mm-hmm. you definitely trust him to soak up a new, a new scheme. Justin Simmons, you definitely trust him to soak up. And I'm just going to keep going here. Kareem Jackson, Pat Sertan, Ronald Darby. Um, you know, you look on the edge. Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory. These guys, this is a very veteran defense. Now, of course, Nick Benito is going to come in there, and that's going to, you know, Baron Browning. You want to make sure that he has a grasp of things. Caden Stearns, those guys are going to play. So but on situational guys. Yes, but on mm-hmm. the whole, this defense is experienced. DJ Jones, you know, you go around this thing and you just say like, and, and even Pat Sertan, we learned about him last year. He picked up everything in like a week. So I'm not worried about it. Um, now you don't want to overdo it. Start with the basics and build up to it. And I think by week 17, you're going to be calling a totally different defense than you were calling week one uh, in terms of the, the flexibility you have and the understanding that you trust those guys. But every single player on this, not every, 
on the whole, most of the players on this defense are guys that should be able to pick things up. They've switched schemes before they can do it easily. And one thing that you always see happen is there's a lot more complexity in training camp. They're doing a lot crazier things in the preseason, and then they really dial it back once once the regular season comes around. So I do think year one, it's not going to be the full defense uh, that we could see in years two and three. And Ryan, I, I think one of the scenarios that he's referring to is I pointed out this scenario in an obvious pass rush situation. You have DJ Jones in the middle, Draymond Jones as a defensive end. Then you put Bradley Chubb down as a defensive end. Nick Benito as an outside linebacker. Randy Gregory as an outside linebacker. And then Baron Browning as an inside linebacker. And then he can cover or he can blitz as well. And with something like that, you have like 10 plays in that. So you're not, it's not actually overly complicated. You, You learn this very easy, pick it up. And when you put that package out, the, the guys aren't thinking about 150 different plays. Right. Uh, man, I love the idea of lining Benito and Chubb up on the same side or Benito and uh, Randy Gregory on the same yeah. side. <sighs> Twisting those guys. You, mm-hmm. There's so much you could do, and there's a lot of athleticism there to make things really difficult. That's something we better see. It sounds fun. Now that they have so many outside <laughs> that linebackers. That sounds really fun. It does. Especially with Chubb, you know, being on the bigger side where you can – because we're, yeah. we're talking about third and ten here. Right. You know, so you're not worried about them running, you know, inside zone to that side. Yep. Um, you're you're just getting after it, mm-hmm. trying to confuse those offensive linemen. And the way that offensive linemen are getting outmatched by edge rushers right now is, like, an, it's unfair. Right. Um, we're, we need more elite athletes to want to be offensive linemen. Uh, because elite athletes are becoming edge rushers. I forget who we were talking about the other day, but it was like they were. Maybe it was Benito. They were like, "Why did? Why was he not a tight end or something like that?" I mean, there's way more money as an edge rusher. Every right. all these athletic freaks who are coming, you know, to high school teams are being. Are, they're probably playing on offense too, but they're being told. You got to learn to rush the passer. That's where all the money is. Yep, exactly, exactly. And next one and last one coming in from Pastor Red says, Hey, guys, I'm feeling very grateful as of late and want to hear some positivity on the pod. Uh, so what attributes do you most admire about your co-hosts here on the DNVR Broncos podcast? Much love from New Hampshire, Pastor Rhett. Well, Mace is easy. I admire his memory and recollection of things. I mean, um, the, literally the encyclopedia. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and Zach is easy for me, too. I admire his organization. Mm, thank key, you. Pos- positivity. I, I, both of you guys, I admire your positivity. <laughs> I like that. I'm, I, a little, I'm, I'm a little more of a realist, and uh, I've kind of accepted this is who and what I am. But doesn't mean I don't admire the optimism. Fair enough. <laughs> and I, I love the I love the positivity that, that, that you bring. And I think it I think it all mashes well. I think it does too. I think it does too. That's why we work. Um that's a great question to end the day on. Yeah, I love mm. it. Speaking of positivity, I'm yeah, feeling very positive. Yes. Uh, so that is going to wrap it up for us today. This has been fun. Uh, I love the conversation about Greg Dulcich, and I'm really excited to find out how it plays out um, because we had three very different answers and mm-hmm. three very different expectations. So uh, we'll see what happens hopefully soon. I know we have rookie minicamp coming up right around the corner, yes. so that's fun. Um, but stay tuned with us here. Of course, we'll be back with you tomorrow and every weekday after that. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast.
Thank you.